Titus chapter number 2, Titus chapter number 2, the patriotic music has been tremendous today, thank you for all that had a part, love it when our choir and orchestra team together, and it's a beautiful thing, so thank you for all the hard work and practice and effort that's gone into that, certainly been a blessing, hope you've enjoyed it, kind of hope it's gotten you kind of in, obviously a few days here to July 4th, hope it's kind of gotten you in the mood, celebrating and just uh, rejoicing in what the Lord has done here in America, and how we've reaped the blessings, and certainly praying for God to turn America back to Him. Titus chapter number two. We've been talking about the Christian character makeup of Christ's church, and in doing so, we've gotten down to verse four. Remember verse four, and it's been a while. This is a message I actually had prepared about a month and a half ago, or a month ago, I guess it is now, and uh, during either patch uh, presentation or something, graduate. anyway, it kind of was one of those that got pushed to the back burner, and so I'm excited about finally getting back to it. L- let's remind ourselves real quick, all right, where we found ourselves as he has talked to the older men, the older women, uh, the aged women, and now, and he is talking to the younger women. Women. In fact, verse number four, if you know it, uh, that they may teach the young women, and that's the older women, teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. These three nuggets of truth we, we've kind of mined from the verse. Remember, sober, it literally means disciplined, moderate, of a sound of mind, having a good sense. And again, we've uh, emphasized how this is so crucial for not only mothers, young mothers, but for all Christians to emulate these truths. Um, uh, notice this statement we, we shared with you a few weeks back. It is the position or possession, excuse me, of wisdom and prudence such that it helps a young woman to avoid the snares which are laid by the devil, the flesh, and the ungodly, which helps her to conduct herself in a way that well reflects her Redeemer, protects that testimony. It's, it, it's a void of rashness and uncontrolled impulsiveness, whether in word or in deed. We've all seen someone who's given in to a rashness and impulsiveness, and, and it could be a post on Facebook, and it could be at the grocery store, just a rashness, an impulsiveness, an uncontrolled aspect. And so uh, Paul saying, listen, Titus, encourage the older women to teach the young women not to be like that. That's, that's not re- that doesn't reflect well who they are in Christ. I was reading a Bible verse today in devotions about how we are called upon to adorn the doctrine of God in a good way. We're to dress it up with how we live and how we act. And so that's literally what Paul's in- instructing Titus to tell the old women, uh, the older women, the older ladies to instruct the younger women. Notice the next one, we, uh, to love their husbands. Uh, coming from that Greek word philandros, meaning tenderly affectionate. It's the command to us it, to keep love present in the marriage. Don't let it dwindle with time. Choose to see it grow and be further established in our marriages and our homes. Literally fan the flames of love. Don't let it cool. Don't let those embers of love in your marriage cool down, but fan them often and frequently. We said that it was a determined love, not rooted in a husband's worthiness. Well, he hasn't bought me flowers for a year. Uh, He didn't do the honey-do list. No, no, no. It's not rooted in their worthiness because I'll tell you, we'll all fail. We'll all mess up. We're not worthy of love. And so the fact is this is not rooted in that, but rather for the Christian wife, it is in response to God's command and expressed in a affectionate heart. See, I mean, put it in perspective. If you're obeying the commands of God, God has always promised blessings, reward. So your husband may not deserve it. He may be the most unworthy husband, but God wants you to obey his commands. Same way with a husband with a life. Love, husbands, love your wives uh, as Christ loved the church. As you love yourself, those, those commands are there, and so it is. 
It's not uh, dependent upon their worthiness. Such love, and I, I love this truth, don't miss it. Such love then becomes the foundation and the basis uh, for a friendship that outshines any other earthly friendship in its strength and depth. So when you have that relationship, a husband and a wife, and it's, it, it, it is bathed, it is circumferenced by this kind of love, it prepares or uh, presents the kind of friendship that God intended a husband and wife to have that far outweighs, that, that expands well beyond any other type of friendship. And, and let's be honest, we understand this. In the world today, there's often a husband and a wife that looks for a, a deep friendship, relationship outside the marriage. God never intended that. Number one, friendship should be in the marriage. That's God's plan. And so we saw that too. And then we looked at this one, an odd, an odd statement we think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First reaction is, wow, that's kind of odd to love their children. What we saw is an answer. Why does Paul put that there? Well, the answer is this. The corruption that sin brings knows no bounds. The, sin, the corruption that sin, as it entered in Adam and Eve, as it entered from the Garden of Eden on, it, man, it knows no bounds. And we talked about how these are the commands really found within the passage and throughout the Scriptures. Mothers, love your children uh, in the good times and in the challenging times. Love them. Mothers, love your children unconditionally and sacrificial, sacrificially, the kind of the love that was demonstrated to us by God. Yeah, is this kind of teaching necessary? You better believe it is. I was just reading an article the other day. There was a mother who left her child at a McDonald's so she could go to the casino. Thankfully, the workers caught on to what she was doing. I don't know if she gave them a phone number to call or what, but... Uh, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? It's not just moms. I, I just, e- e- even here locally, I, I heard the story of a mom who had to take her little uh, a baby to work with her and something that wasn't allowed. And so come to find out, she didn't trust leaving the baby with her boyfriend, who was the baby's father, because he just wouldn't take care of her, the baby. Uh, so why, why does the Bible say love your children? Because can I tell you, sin corrupts. People have to be taught that. They have to be instructed and be reminded. You need to love sacrificially. In fact, literally, why she wouldn't leave with the boyfriend, because in her, in her estimation, description, the boyfriend, all he wanted to do was do what he wanted to do. That's not sacrificial love. That's not love that's unconditional. We saw that mothers are to love your children impartially and equally. Uh, mothers are to love in word and deed. And, and uh, boy, if there's an instruction to, uh, for us to gather from our love being expressed and as our job and role as parents is this. The greatest act of God was to die on the cross for sinners, and the greatest act of parents is to bring a child to the Savior. If him dying on the cross is the greatest act of love, then our greatest act of love for parents as a parent is to bring my child to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's a love that won't ever stop until a child possesses saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Then you remember where we ended up? We said, listen, then when that is the case, when that love is expressed and bringing them to Christ so they trust Christ, put their faith and trust in Christ, leading little ones to God, then it comes down to this, chasten, chasten, chasten discipline, training, and so forth. And we looked at uh, that verse that, that most kids don't like, right? Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes, many times, often, frequently. 
Now listen to me. You and I both know that now spanking, corporal punishment is very taboo. Boy, you're scared to talk about it in the public because it's so looked down on. And, and sometimes, because that has been the case for so long, sometimes we can allow that, to, well, it, it, it is spanking really the best thing? Is corporal punishment really needed? Can't we just use the timeout? Can't we just take away toys? Now listen to me. Hey, let's be careful. The Bible says to guard your minds because we know the world, this flesh, and especially the devil wants you and I to think that our thinking and our beliefs and the truths we hold dear are archaic and are passe and no longer applicable. That's what they want. But we've got to be careful. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, There's an article uh, back in November in Newsweek. Here's the title. Can science prove God doesn't exist? Vastness of space suggests there is no almighty creator. Now, listen. Do you believe that? No. Okay. Good. Good. So you don't believe that. In fact, we know that this is Newsweek, a reputable magazine. Okay. Hey, Newsweek said it. It must be true. You and I said, no way. That's not true. In fact, it's just the opposite. Science literally points to the existence of an almighty creator. The Bible establishes that. In Romans chapter 1, look, there's creation in such a, a, a perfect, in the sense of its structure and, and its composition, such a creation necessitates a creator. It doesn't happen by chance. We know that to be the truth. But here's the problem. We read articles like that. In fact, I looked up. I didn't put it on here. I looked up. You know there's articles out there that saying that there's a flat earth? I mean, they're reputable, so-called, reputable news. I mean, you recognize the names. and like, look, hey, there, there's evidence for a flat earth. Do you believe that? No way. So then why do we believe sometimes articles like this? Spanking is ineffective and harmful to children. Pediatricians group says now, I'll tell you, now listen to me. I've had Christians who sit in my office and tell me, I, we just don't spank anymore. I think it's harmful. Can I tell you that's not biblical? It's not biblical. When we are talking about correct biblical punishment in spanking and corporal punishment, done right with the attitude that we have described in this message, the series of message, my friend, it is one of the best tools a parent has. And let's be honest, let's be real. A lot of America's problems are because spanking was thrown out the door. It is. Corporal punishment. Uh, oh, they're little people, and we don't want to hurt little people. And, you know, the ludicrousness of the aria. Listen, hey, let's not take the world's uh, viewpoint. Let's not take their word for it. And I'll tell you, some of you teenagers in college and career, God has plans for you to get married. Don't believe the world's hogwash. Stick to the truth of God's word. When it becomes passe and when it becomes something that you can't talk to anybody about, that's okay. You keep doing it at home. You keep practicing God's word with your family. We made this statement because this is so very true. Uh, Chastening is what produces a successful and prosperous child. 
there's biblical proof, there's experiential proof, empirical evidence, if you want to describe it as such. It's very clear and obvious. We looked at Hebrews chapter 12 that speaks of chastening. And we made this statement, chastening is an extension of that intimate father-son relation. And it is, mother-son, mother-daughter relationship. It really is. That's what Hebrews says. That's where that passage, where we derived it from that contextually in Hebrews chapter number 12. Remember this statement we made, and we kind of ended up with this. If you do it in love, and that's key, isn't it? We've talked about how it has to be done in love. It isn't, oh, you made me so angry. Well, don't, don't discipline in anger. Leave the room and get control of your spirit. Be yielded to the Holy Spirit, and then discipline. Don't do it in anger. Don't do it in retaliation. Boy, you embarrassed me so much. That's probably not a good foundation for discipline. Okay? You need to step out and check your own heart and get it right with God before you then do your parental duty and rule. Challenge you, do it in love, and when you do it with a clear purpose of correcting and training through the chastening, then it becomes one of the best relationship-building tools you have as a parent. It really does. It builds the relationship. It doesn't take away the world. Oh, it's just harmful. It, 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 it harms their psyche. And, no, it doesn't. Oh, not at all. In fact, just the opposite. It builds a, a child and parent relationship. It really does. Uh, I think there's even scientific evidence for that. But even with that, I don't take scientific evidence. I'll take the Bible all day, every day. What it says and what it teaches. All right, let's move on to verse 5. Some good other truth to add it to this. And we'll just hit on the first part of verse 5 tonight. Notice the statement. Here's something else. The older ladies, godly spiritual ladies, are supposed to teach the younger women, the younger wives and, and mothers, verse 5, to be discreet, to be discreet. Literally, the terminology, we've kind of seen it before in variations already in this list, but throughout the Scripture, it means sensible, self-controlled. Sensible or self-controlled. Think about it. Let's put it in biblical terms. I always like to see case studies of these descriptions. Simon Peter lacked discretion in several instances recorded for us in the New Testament. We see that. We think of the, the, the life of Simon, especially when you, his name was emphasized, or emphasized in Simon. He, he lacked discretion in many instances. We see that. Many others in Scripture, David did it often. A man after God's own heart. And so this ought to be a shot across the bow for us. It ought to be a challenge to us. We may be spiritual. We may be walking with the Lord. But can I tell you, there can come up moments in our lives, moms, dads, every Christian, moments of indiscretion. Moments of indiscretion. David had him, a man after God's own heart. And then, boy, in his sin, and it led to terrible consequences in his life. Uh, many other instances. What about Noah when he got drunk? Hey, listen, because it's in the Bible, that doesn't mean you should go get drunk. I've had someone tell me that before. Well, Noah got drunk. Read the Bible. It's presented in a negative situation with negative consequences. It's not a good thing. It's not endorsed. But the Bible does show you when there's sin, there's consequences to sin. You reap what you sow. Noah was the case. Great indiscretion by Noah. What about Moses when he hit the rock? That was some foolishness. That was some indiscretion. Abraham when he tried to circumvent God's plan with Hagar. And the list could go on and on. 
yet here in the passage, a young mother, and yea, it's certainly applicable to a young father too, it adds this emphasis. Don't miss it tonight. A young person, if you have the privilege of growing up and having children of your own, don't miss it. The emphasis is this. It's the avoidance of foolishness in actions and words. So critical is it for a mother, for a father, to not act foolishly. Now let me ask, let's follow this along and kind of see where we are modernly. Where does the Bible say that foolishness is bound? Good. In the heart of a child, right? Uh, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. It's bound in the heart of a child. Now here's the problem. We have a bunch of foolish parents. And why? It's because we have a bunch of parents that are like foolish children. It hasn't been rooted out of their heart. In fact, what's the rest of that verse say? What's going to drive it out? <laughs> the rod of correction, right? It's going to drive that out, the foolishness. Now listen to me. You and I have both, we have seen it. It's obvious. There's a whole bunch of parents that are more like children themselves than like parents. There's a whole lot of foolishness bound in their hearts that was never removed and taken out through correct uh, correction, correct chastening, correct discipline. So I submit to you tonight, the reality is this, and boy, the, the news and our own experiences are filled with people Parents who don't avoid foolishness in action and words. We have a bunch of parents that are foolish children at heart. It's been said, this statement, your outlook determines your outcome, and if a person is not thinking rightly, he will not act, he will not act properly. Your outlook determines your outcome, and if a person is not thinking rightly, he will not act properly. So really, Paul is challenging you, mom, and certainly all Christians, mom and dads especially, you need to have a disciplined and controlled outlook in every area of your life. Now, get rid of the foolishness, an outlook that gives us the discretion to avoid the foolishness that's going to hinder and hurt our purpose and to achieve our goal of parenting. It's especially true when it comes to everything you do within the home in front of your children as a parent. Be disciplined in your living, your choices, your words. Be controlled in these areas, spirit-controlled, and avoid the foolish act. You say, what, how do parents act foolishly before their children? How, how, what are these kinds of areas and ways of foolishness? Well, here's just a few examples. If you are a parent who overindulges your children, that's foolish. If you over-discipline them, that's foolish. If you make promises to your children you don't keep, that's foolishness. If you make threats that you never follow through with, that's foolishness. If you play favorites, that's foolishness. If you take sides, that's foolishness. Can I tell you, I, I, I'm thankful for godly parents, and I would put, just from personal experience, my own bias, I would put my parents up there. I remember, and I, 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 I do, it is vivid in my mind. I remember one time that I got in trouble at church. Not just one time I got in trouble at church, but I remember one specific instance where I got in trouble at church. Hey, I, I, I'll confess it, I'll tell you, much like this church where we grew up, where I grew up as a young kid, and four or five years old, maybe something like that. We had doors like this church that went down to a basement. I remember my dad was up there preaching one time, and he was rip warring and going at it. And uh, I remember I did something, I saw it hard to believe, did something not right. And my mom was sitting right down there. She grabbed me, took me right out the front of the doors. 
while he was preaching. You're talking about the most embarrassing thing, but it was good discipline, I'll tell you that. I do remember that. But I remember one time when I did get in trouble at church, and, and I remember my parents said this, just wait till we get home. We're going to have a little meeting when we get home. And man, I'd heard that many times before, and I'll tell you, I, I had those meetings, and I survived barely. We had those meetings. And I remember this one time. You know why I remember it? Because it was the only time that I can remember that they didn't remember. We actually had a fellowship afterwards or something going on, and it was a long night. And I, to their credit, it was the only time that they ever forgot. Where they made a threat that didn't follow through. Now, I'll tell you, I see a lot of parents that make threats all the time and never follow through. It's foolishness. Foolishness. Each one of these are foolish. And when there's foolishness in our hearts and our practice and our lives as parents, the consequences don't necessarily show up in our lives. They show up in the lives of our children. They reap it, unfortunately. I want you to turn with me, if you will. Hold your spot in Titus. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 25, if you will. Genesis chapter 25, probably, uh, to use an overused word, it's the quintessential example, scripturally, of this kind of parenting, a lacking of discretion. And Genesis chapter 25, you'll look with me there, and we're just, uh, we know the story, so in this passage, we'll just read one verse, verse number 28. Chapter 25, verse number 28, if you will. I'll give you a moment to find your place. Genesis 25, verse number 28. We'll read together. Notice it. Verse 28, And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Uh, we're not two verses removed. Now, I know there's a lot of time in those verses, but we're not two verses removed from their birth. And I, I, I guarantee you, it probably started much after their birth as those two children became to get on some of their personality and things like that, showing interest as a young boys. Uh, the parents started to do this. Now, think about this. Here's Isaac and Rebecca, the parents. Here's Esau and Jacob, the children. And we're not very far from their birth, and we have already got problems. There's trouble brewing. Why? Notice what it says. The sides are drawn. The favorites have been picked. I mean, this little verse gives us so much information about them. First of all, I want you to see the foolishness here of Isaac. Notice it. We, we describe it this way, okay? And uh, in this passage, first, Isaac in his later years became a carnal, self-indulgent parent to the consequence of his children. So, so Isaac becomes so self-focused and so self-indulgent that, uh, I mean, it, it becomes very obvious. In Genesis chapter 27, we'll read here in a moment, but he, he, you remember what he does? He, he, Isaac says, oh, I'm near to death. You know what's interesting? He actually lives a lot longer. He feigns death, okay? You know, you can maybe imagine him holding his heart and said, this is the big one, okay? It's coming, all right? <laughs> He feigns, oh, I'm so dead. And what does he do? He looks to his son, and he has a last request. Here's my paraphrase. Esau, go out and kill me some venison. Make me some savory meat such as I love, and let me eat it, then I'll bless you, and I'll die. Now, let me ask you this. What kind of parent is that? It is a parent who has foolishness bound in his heart. Why? Because he's all about him, isn't he? Man, feed me. Give me my favorite meal. Hey, the reason I had children so I don't have to get up from the sofa and go to the refrigerator. 
That's kind of what you get here. This foolishness of, uh, you know, oh man, I'm dying. All, all I want is that venison. Boy, I have that taste in my mouth. And can I just, oh man. I mean, think about what kind of pair this is. I, and then I'll just bless you. You, you feed me well, and, and I'm going to bless you. you. You know what that tells us? Now listen, don't misunderstand this, because I think this is true, and it, it is borne out in the story. We'll read some of it here in a moment. You can be assured that over these many years, Esau learned what it took for him to get from his dad what he wanted. I don't believe this is the first incidence because you don't come to love something until you, unless you've tried it many times over. Okay? I have tried many times over Chick-fil-A, and I love it. Waffle fries, Chick-fil-A sauce. You people don't know what we're missing here in Michigan. <laughs> hey, I, I've tried it. I know, man. Oh, I could crave it right now, you know. And, and listen, this has happened before, and I guarantee you, Esau has learned. <laughs> I know how to get what I want from Daddy. I'll just fix him a bowl of venison. Now listen to me. Understand here. Just as Isaac, all he cares about is his last meal, his favorite dish. His son knew what it could took to manipulate his dad through his stomach. He did. Be careful, parent. Your children can learn how to manipulate you much the same way to get what they want. And in your foolishness, you can allow them to push the right buttons to manipulate you to get their way. I've seen it tons of times. I tell you, it is artwork how some teenagers have learned to play mom and dad. And it's sometimes learned at three years old and four years old and five years old. They flash that little cute smile. And they, oh, daddy, oh, mommy, can I just... And boy, that manipulation can start early, can't it? I think that's what happened here in Esau. I think Esau learned quickly what he could do. Listen, we all do it. You may have been perfect in high school. I know I was close to it. Um, but you know what we learned with my class in a Christian school? We learned what it took to get a teacher off task. You know what that means? It means get them on a rabbit trail. It's like I used to say or like to say on a rabbit interstate that would last the entire hour. We never got to the text. I, I could go through certain classes and specific teachers, and I could tell you, okay, this is what you need to bring up to them. That, they'll talk about that for 15, 20 minutes. Her, oh yeah, her, this is how you get out of class easily with that teacher. We learn how to manipulate. We learn our, our, the environment and how to take advantage and so forth. Listen, hey, uh, what are children but little depraved sinners, amen? Oh, yes, I understand. We have children that have trusted Christ, but we're all fighting the sin nature. And your, your, your children will try to manipulate, them to the, manipulate you to the best of their ability. They will. Esau had learned it with Isaac, and boy, Isaac fell hook, line, and sinker, and he was a foolish, foolish parent. Hey, it's foolish parent or foolish parenting if you let them do it and you give in to it. Be careful, be on guard. You know what's amazing? That's Isaac. You have Rebecca over here. I don't think Rebecca, I don't think that's it with Rebecca. In fact, I think Rebecca, as a parent, was very intelligent. She was smart. She was tough-minded. And she was determined. She fell into a whole other aspect of foolish parenting. 
Uh, here is Isaac, and he's all about self-indulgence, and oh, wow, I, Esau knew what to give him so he could just get what he wanted and so forth. And then you have Rebecca. You know what Rebecca was like? She loved and favored Jack, uh, Jacob, a foolish and overwrought uh, affection uh, that caused her to be unscrupulous in her actions, even to her husband. You're talking about foolishness. We have a home that becomes divided because of affection misplaced. Foolishness. It's literally what we have play out right in front of us. Look at Genesis 27 right here. Let's just read a few as we alluded to already. Look at verse 5. Let's start there. Verse 5. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau about the thing that we just talked about. Go and get the venison, fix it for me, and I'll bless you. Okay, verse number five, Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau's son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. Notice this, and Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son. Could you just imagine her saying, hey, 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 come here, Jacob, come here. And she puts her arm around Jacob, and this is what she says. Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord uh, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. The whole family knows how to get dad. Notice it, what pleases him. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, I like this, he goes, uh, Mom, Esau, my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. Maybe because that's what you are, Jacob. Just a thought. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And, and let me read into verse 13. You know what she says? Oh, come on. Jacob, you need to trust mommy. I've already thought about this. His mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau. He's wearing Esau's clothes, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread, which she had prepared, into the hand of her son Jacob. We know the rest of the story. He takes it in. He deceives his dad. Now listen to me. Here's mom, and mom, she's not foolish and easily manipulated, but you know what she's learned? How to manipulate. And in her inordinate affection for her son, she allows this love for her son to, to basically cause her to be unscrupulous. Now listen to me. You say, well, how does that play out modernly? Have you ever seen a parent, and I've seen this before, a, a mom who badgers a coach because her son didn't play enough? Have you ever seen a mom go to a teacher and, and they just don't understand why little junior got a B minus and not an A? And the teacher explains it all and just sheds it out there, and yet that's not good enough. Oh, I just don't think you like my junior. Can I tell you what that comes under? It comes under foolish parenting. That's what it is. You've opened the door and you said, okay, hey, you're not discreet. You don't have discretion. You don't avoid foolishness in your actions. Don't some parents make fools of themselves for their so-called love for their children? I mean, they do. That's what Paul speaks. Don't do that. 
Mom, don't do that. Don't be that person. I'll tell you, if you think about this family in modern terminology, we would call this family truly dysfunctional, wouldn't we? They are like the poster child for it. But listen, it only takes a little bit of indiscretion or foolishness on the part of a parent to send a home into a tailspin. See, Rebecca's soft spot in her heart for her son caused her to be a candidate for the Foolish Parent Hall of Fame. She literally conspired with her son to deceive her husband. Now think about that for a moment. The foolishness of a mom to to, uh, really conspire against her own husband. And what consequences did it reap? Well, Jacob goes on to be a deceiver for many years. Foolishness continued. Foolishness was bound in the heart of mom. And guess what? Now listen to me, mom. Dad, you will never get the foolishness out of your children's heart until it's gone out of your heart. Until the foolishness is gone and you say, no, I'm going to be discreet. I'm going to avoid foolishness and action and words. No, no, I'm not going to allow that in my heart and life so that I in turn can ensure that I drive it out of the heart of my children. Too many foolish parents out there that are struggling because their children are foolish. And they try to maybe get it out of their children's heart and life. Reality is they need to start on their own. It takes God for Jacob to wondrously getting a hold of his life to turn things around. Mom, would you listen to me tonight? Paul speaking to Titus. Would you be discreet and not foolish? Don't plot or conspire with your children against your husband. Now, hear me out. Because I've seen many a mom do this. Don't counter what you perceive to be an injustice or too harsh of actions by sympathizing and conspiring with your child against their father. Don't do it. That's foolishness. It's detrimental to the united front that children must see from mom and dad. It tears it down. Think about it. Do you think Esau and Jacob thought, oh yeah, mom and dad are on the same page. Oh, yeah, they're a united front. No way. You know what Jacob and Esau would have done? Okay, mom said no. Let's go ask dad. Hey, do you have a bowl of venison? It'll help us. And, and boy, Esau to Jacob. Hey, Jacob, we need to ask mom and dad. Hey, why don't you go ask mom? Because mom can't tell you no. You ever hear that? Oh, my. you know, older, I, I hear older children, older adults sometimes talking about their, their child rearing and the time growing up. Like, well, mom never could tell you no. See, Esau was like, hey, Jacob, go ask mom. I mean, they knew it. There was not a united front. They didn't perceive mom and dad were on the same page. I mean, what a huge consequence. And there, there are huge consequences when we act foolishly. We aren't discreet as parents. Put it into this statement. And if a parent is not disciplined, discreet, they can never truly effectively discipline their own children. If you aren't personally disciplined, if you aren't showing discretion, then you're not going to be able to fully do that. Again, if foolishness is in your heart, you can't drive it out of their heart. 
You aren't self-controlled, it'll be hard to teach your child to be self-controlled. You literally cut your own legs out from under you when you break the rules, when you act foolishly, and then you try to turn around and teach them not to act foolish or to break the rules. I, I like this, I saw this, and boy, this has become big news even the last couple weeks, but this was a couple months ago. I saw an article making a parody that's saying this. Basically, the title of the article was this. Spring has arrived, therefore, that means we're going to have a bunch of parents fighting at the baseball diamond that's what the article said and i know it just happened a couple weeks ago in colorado but this was several months ago this article is talking about and uh it literally was talking about parents now listen acting like children at their kiddos sporting events foolish children that's what they were acting like this particular one was a baseball game uh, in Texas. Parents got heated. They were going on the field. They were yelling and screaming. They were acting like they were going to fight. Now, this one, n- no one actually fought. And Again, I know it happened just a couple weeks ago and, and in Colorado, I believe it was. And a sad thing. This one, no one actually fought. They were just, but the video showed them kind of yelling at each other on the, out on the field. The kids were back in the dugouts. And, and uh, there's a humorous part to it because mostly it was guys out there and big, you know, rough, tough uh, egomaniacs that were out there yawning at each other and so forth and, and making threatening posturing and everything else and so forth, okay? And they're going at it. But all of a sudden in the video, this is quite humorous, there was this lady and she was kind of short and squat, okay? And uh, all of a sudden now this thing, she comes from a dugout and she's literally just waddling along and she's like making this circle, just one time circle around. And as you watch the video, she's just kind of like, <laughs> a lady all among these guys. And all of a sudden from behind her leg, she pulls an aluminum bat. And she goes up to this big six foot four, six foot five guy. She was like all a five foot four and five foot. And as she's running, she sticks out her bat and hits his legs. Full Tanya Harding, I'm telling you. And just went for the knees. I mean, it's humorous. The guy's just kind of like, what was that? You know? And there she is. She just wobbles right back to the dugout. It was the most humorous thing I'd seen in a long time. This lady, I mean, just out of nowhere, sticks out the bat, boom, right back to the dugout. And it's humorous. I'm laughing. Hey, but you know what? What happens when her son hits his little sister because he's mad at her? What happens? Now, Johnny, don't you do that. Why not, Mom? You did it. Johnny, that's not nice. You need to be nice to your sister. But, Mom, you weren't. Yeah, it's amazing how foolishness hurts us, isn't it? An indiscretion, a moment of not avoiding foolishness in our action, our words, will come back to bite us. Literally, she's not disciplined herself. There's no discretion. Paul explains it here. Now, let me ask you this, too, in context. What about Rebecca? Now, Jacob, you shouldn't deceive Laban like that. Really, Mom? Guess where I learned it from? Guess where I saw it demonstrated and exemplified for me? But remember, Mom, we, Dad, do you think Rebecca could ever go to Esau and says, Now, Esau, you've got to be careful not to cheat somebody. You need to be careful not to hurt somebody. And Esau's looking at Rebecca, but Mom, you hurt me. You stole my birthright. You held Jacob. Could she ever have a leg to stand on? No way. But, but it was just once. It was just one indiscretion. Hey, Mom, can I tell you, one indiscretion can cost you. 
one moment of not avoiding foolishness can hurt you. Now, you may not run out onto a baseball field to take out the knees of a complete stranger. At least I hope. But how do you react? How do you react, Mom, when someone treats you wrong? How do you react when a family member, an extended family member, takes advantage of you like they always do? When they talk about you behind their back? When they start spreading rumors about you? What do your children hear at home about what you say? And how you act towards them? Mom, how do you react towards your husband when he does the very thing that you asked him not to do for the umpteenth time? I don't know why I married you. I don't know why we were together. You never listened to me. What kind of impact is that having on your children? Foolishness. Oh, you can go back and you can say, man, I I sure didn't mean those words. I was just in a fit of anger. Get it. And, And hopefully they'll take your apology. But I'll tell you, my friend, foolishness has a high cost. Foolishness. Indiscretion. Are you disciplined in all your actions and words? Are your reactions and actions foolish and lacking discretion? See, the fact is this, and we must never forget it as parents. You are teaching, training, instructing every minute of every day your children are around you. And that is a great responsibility. It's not easy. There's two things in life that I found. Number one, the Christian life is not easy. It's a lot of hard work. It's worth it, but it's a lot of hard work. Then number two, you know what else I found? To be married and to have children is a whole lot of work. And to do it right. It is. To do it right, to follow God's plan and His Word. It takes work and effort, but boy, is it rewarding. Is there huge blessings that come from it? So the challenge for you and I is simple. Be discreet, disciplined, and controlled in all we do. Avoid the foolishness that parents can often employ when the flesh is given leeway and room to act. It's a tall order, I get it, but it is doable when you're walking in the Spirit. Every single one of these character traits found in Titus chapter 2, these are possible and doable only when you and I are Spirit-led and Spirit-controlled. So it doesn't matter if you're a parent here tonight or you're a, a, a Christian, a single Christian, each one of us ought to work this week at being discreet. Because here's why. You may not have children around to influence with your foolishness and your indiscretion, but there are coworkers, there's a spouse, there's brothers and sisters, there's extended family members, there's fellow believers, there may be even simply friends that you are around and that you are impacting. And not the very least is this. Every indiscretion that you have as a Christian reflects on your Heavenly Father. If people know that you're a Christian... It's funny, Brother Wayne and I were talking before the service, and it's funny how people try to get at Christians, isn't it? They'll say things like this, well, that's not how a Christian is supposed to act. And yet they've never spent a day in church, they've never read the Bible, and they really don't even know what a Christian is. Isn't it funny how they know how a Christian is supposed to act? But hey, my friend, can I tell you, the world is going to be impacted by how you and I act. So let's be careful. Let's avoid foolishness. In our actions and our words, let's be discreet.